I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Anti-Asian hate is a major problem in America. New data from the Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism shows that anti-Asian hate crimes increased by 339% last year, compared to the year before. And since the start of the pandemic, the National Coalition Stop AAPI Hate has tracked over 10,000 incidents of verbal harassment and physical assault against Asian people nationwide. Joining us to discuss the ongoing issue and solutions is Josina Morita, who chairs the Illinois Asian American Caucus, and Grace Pai, executive director of Asian Americans Advancing Justice Chicago. Josina, this recent spike in anti-Asian hate crimes can be traced back to the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. So in addition to dealing with a global pandemic, Asian communities have also faced this increase in hateful rhetoric and violence. How has that been for you? It's been a difficult year for Asian Americans and for all Americans and Illinoisans here. I mean, the pandemic has added so much stress and you know difficulty and challenges for, for families. But Asian Americans in particular, with the hateful rhetoric that was coming from the White House, you know, blaming the COVID pandemic as, you know, the Kung flu, the China virus. Asian Americans have become the target of the blame for COVID and racist hate in general. And it's been a very difficult year of seeing people who look like me, who look like my mother, who look like my grandmother, being physically assaulted um, over the last year. And this attack uh, this week in Yonkers was just heartbreaking. And Grace, you and I have talked about this before, but I'm curious, when did you suspect that these attacks were part of a larger issue? At what point? I mean, honestly, it was early on in the pandemic, because even before COVID was declared a global pandemic, we were seeing the impacts in our Chinatown community here in Chicago. We were seeing business owners report that they were, you know, seeing fewer patrons come in. And we were hearing about just fear, you know, about going into Asian American communities like Chinatown, fear that was completely unfounded and based in this kind of racist fear and kind of fear mongering, right, that Josina was mentioning just around all of the scapegoating and the ways that Asians were blamed for something that was completely out of our control, right? And the fact that the attention was kind of put towards our community instead of really figuring out how can we address this global public health crisis, I think, says a lot about our society. And Josina, this week, it marks the one-year anniversary of the horrific shootings at three Atlanta spas. What's going through your mind as we remember those victims, eight of them, six being Asian women? You know, this anniversary yesterday was an emotional day for all of us. We had a series of events here in Illinois with the Asian American Caucus, with Asian Americans Advancing Justice, and Senator Tammy Duckworth. And, you know, it was a day of reflection and remembrance. But as these incidents continue to happen, you know, we had a man murdered in Chinatown in December. We had this attack in Yonkers this week. It was also a reminder that this is continuing. This was not a moment that happened a year ago that we are just commemorating. This is a continued lived experience uh, for Asian Americans. And we have to continue to educate and engage not just Asian Americans, but everybody about this issue Mm -hmm. to keep it from continuing into the next year. What about you, Grace? How are you reflecting on Atlanta? We held a commemoration event on this past Saturday with um, partner organizations from across the Chicagoland area. And 
you know, I think the tone was really just one of grief and healing that, you know, we all need to create space to really grieve what's happening and what continues to happen because this type of hate is not going away. And, you know, I think that one of the things that I really want to uplift is that Asian American women have been more likely to report violence against them or harassment than others. And so I think it is, you know, really important to think about the different ways that our community is impacted. You know, it's a lot of women who are reporting these issues and who are targeted. And of course, we have faced these issues, you know, racialized misogyny and um, just the kind of fetishization of Asian women long before the pandemic started. Reports of, of recent attacks, they show that some of the videotaped perpetrators have been Black, and, and that's caused some observers to sort of reduce anti-Asian violence to a Black-Asian conflict. What are your thoughts on that, Grace? You know, that is, I think, just part of this horrible trend of pitting communities of color against each other. We know that Black communities are the most common victims of hate crimes. Right. And so I think that as much as the Asian American community has seen a spike, we know that the black community is also facing so much violence. And so really, we should have solidarity with each other and be able to build those bridges of empathy and understanding, you know, after being targeted with this kind of racialized violence, rather than being pit against each other. I think, you know, I believe it's FBI data that shows that the most common perpetrators of hate crimes are white individuals. And so it really is a false narrative that I think is just part of, you know, the way that structural racism is showing up in coverage of these incidents. What do you think, Josina? Do you think this trope, this Black-Asian conflict trope, dismisses solidarity among the two communities? Right. I think that's right. I mean, I think that this is the racialization of, you know, this COVID pandemic and trying to pick communities of color against each other, what we've seen here in Illinois is solidarity. Right when the pandemic was happening and, you know, Asian Americans were seeing an increase in anti-Asian hate, Black Lives Matter and George Floyd were also happening. And in Illinois, we have seen tremendous solidarity. We had Lieutenant Governor Stratton join our vigil yesterday. Last summer, we had over 200 Asian Americans go work in Black communities in solidarity after George Floyd. So we have been building bridges. But as Grace said, those are oftentimes the stories that are not told. Mm -hmm. And those are the stories that we need to continue to tell. And you've got two young children, Josina. So how how do we talk to our kids and our teens about anti-Asian hate? You know, it's hard. My kids are are Asian. They're also African-American. And, you know, Again, with George Floyd happening at the same time as this wave in anti-Asian hate, you know, I talk, we talked to our, 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 my husband and our kids about, you know, it felt like the hate of the world was converging on our family. And so, you know, my kids are two and three, but it's never too early to have these conversations because it's happening in the real world, right? We see, we saw parents look at us different ways during the pandemic than other kids at the park, and they don't know why. They're like, why does that parent say that, you know, their kid can't play with me. So these conversations have to start early. And we're really proud that here in Illinois, uh, the first state in the nation to pass the Teach Act, that that conversation is going to happen in the classrooms. Every classroom in Illinois starting this fall will have a unit of Asian American history. And so these conversations have to start early. They have to happen at home. They have to happen in the classroom. They have to happen in the community. They have to happen everywhere. Mm-hmm. Grace, last year, Illinois became the first state to require 
Asian American history in public schools. Uh, picking up where Josina left off there, talk to us more about that TEACH Act. We are just so excited that Illinois is the first state to require Asian American history in public schools. And, you know, I think it's really groundbreaking that this happened for the first time in the Midwest, not in California or New York, but right here in the Midwest, because there are so many important stories that need to be told about not just the contributions of Asian Americans, but the ways that our community has been scapegoated and vilified throughout history so that students and young people can understand that this is not something new, but that we have seen these patterns. They can, they can recognize it as it's happening now, and they can refute the harmful stereotypes and narratives that they hear about our community. Right? It's important for Asian American students to see themselves represented, but it's also just as important for non-Asian students and students of other backgrounds to be able to learn the real and honest history of the United States, the truth, and to be able to build those bridges of understanding with their peers. Josina, I want to pivot and, and focus more on solutions. Do you think reporting and tracking anti-Asian hate crimes has gotten any easier? Yeah, I think that we've seen um, from the reports, one, that there has been an increase in actual hate crimes. But another trend that we saw was that we saw an increase in reporting of hate crimes that happened even before the pandemic. You know, Stop API Hate saw a multiplier effect of reports that were happening retroactively, um, as well as an increase in reports that were happening after the pandemic. And so I think that this moment has highlighted for Asian Americans that we can't just hide in a corner and kind of grit our teeth through discrimination and hate, that we have a responsibility to ourselves, to our families, to our communities to speak up. And that's what I've seen over the last year on the positive side is it's been an empowering time for Asian Americans, especially Asian American women, um, to come forward and tell the stories that they have not told mm -hmm. uh, throughout their lives, have not even told their husbands, have not even told their children. Wow. And so that, I think, is this kind of opening up of our community to say, yes, we are impacted by racism. Yes, we're willing to speak out. That has been one of the positives along with the Teach Act. What do you think about the role of police here? Do you think that cops have been the best resource to address and, and track these crimes? And if not them, who should take the lead on that? We have seen that, you know, police are not the best response, right? That community, social workers, people who are trained to deal with people who have experienced racial discrimination, specifically trauma and abuse, are best equipped to handle these kind of situations. So most of our solutions have not focused on police. They have focused on social supports, on education, and on positive, proactive policy solutions. We think that that's where our emphasis and energy should be focused. Grace, what are you hearing from community members on this their views on policing when it comes to preventing and, and responding to these attacks? Well, you know, I think there are a lot of different opinions and perspectives within the Asian American community. Of course, a lot of people are just reacting from a place of fear, right? That they want to be able to walk to the grocery store and not be afraid of something violent happening to them. And I can completely empathize with that. And, you know, so some people think that if they see a police officer, you know, more present in their neighborhood, that that will stop that kind of violence from occurring. But in my view, that doesn't address the root causes of why that violence is happening in the first place or why this kind of sentiment exists against Asian Americans, right? It won't, having a police officer there won't prevent 
this sort of anti-Asian hate from continuing. And so we do have to look at the structural solutions like things like education, ensuring that people can all live thriving lives so that they don't feel the need Mm -hmm. to assault somebody to get access to something that they can sell at a store, right? Like there are so many crimes just of desperation. And I think we can really do a lot more as a society to help people live thriving lives. Are you optimistic that the number of anti-Asian hate crimes is going to drop anytime soon? You know, that's a tough question. I think I wish that I was more optimistic, but I think the recent news has me you know, feeling the real weight of what it means for Asian Americans just to be out in the world. I think we anticipated that we would see an increase in incidents and also in reporting as our community started to open up more, as COVID restrictions started to be lifted. And I think we are seeing that certainly with um, a lot of these recent incidents. Josina, we talked about what more you would like to see police and and other organizations do um, to address anti-Asian hate crimes. But what can we do at the individual level to help solve this problem? You know, I think Asian Americans Advancing Justice has done tremendous work in training individuals who want to understand what it means to be an upstander, right, what our role as individuals can be um, if we witness a hate incident, what our role can be in intervening and supporting uh, the victim. I think we have to continue to have these conversations. You know, Asian Americans are telling our stories more, but we need non-Asian Americans to also engage in this conversation and understand, you know, that Asian Americans are Americans, that there has been a history of racism and discrimination against Asian Americans. We are not just this perfect model minority group that doesn't experience racism and doesn't have issues that need to be addressed. And we need to have those conversations in a way that we can show solidarity with each other's communities, counter those uh, kind of racially divisive tropes and misconceptions about who Asian Americans are um, and our place in in Chicago and Illinois. Um, And so in, in that respect, you know, I have seen a culture change, both among among lawmakers. The TEACH Act had been proposed before yeah. um, in the General Assembly. It was this moment of realization for many lawmakers who never acknowledged that anti-Asian racism existed. It was out of that understanding and that kind of transformational moment that people voted for the TEACH Act who would not have voted for the TEACH Act a year ago. Yeah. And so I am hopeful that there is a transformation happening. And optimistic might be too strong of a word, but I do see that transformation happening at the individual as well as the governmental levels. That's Josina Marita of the Illinois Asian American Caucus. Also, Grace Pai with Asian Americans Advancing Justice Chicago. Grace and Josina, thank you so much. This is a topic we've been covering a lot on Reset. We've discussed the rise of anti-Asian hate during the pandemic and how these attacks have deep roots in American history. We've also talked about the ways that we can protect and support Asian American and Pacific Islander communities moving forward. Throughout these conversations, we've turned to lawmakers, activists, reporters, and experts. And we've even heard from some of you about your own experiences. I keep going back to the one incident I remember the, the most vividly is on my way to board a plane, um, I was just looking at my boarding pass and then I let out a cough um, and then I heard someone say, watch it shake. A car was driving really fast down and they 
sped up when we made eye contact. So I jumped out of the way and I looked at them like so surprised and just shocked and they didn't slow down and there was a stop sign right there and they just steamed out the window, you chink and flipped me off and kept driving. Basically every person I've talked to um, who's experienced this said that you know, if you're a bystander, to stand up against these comments and assaults, if you witness something like this, to, to speak up against it. And if you're a victim, to report crimes like this. You know, this is an issue that is not new. Asian Americans have been targeted in our country's history, you know, from as far back as, as we can trace it. All of the systemic, you know, racism allowed stereotypes, prejudice, and vigilante violence to to spread. You know, the Asian American community has been here for a very long time in this country, have made significant contributions, and, and those should be recognized and learned by not just Asian American youth, but really students across the board. And our hope is that the next wave of scapegoating, the next wave of racism that tries to target Asian Americans because it's politically um, advantageous, that those would be rejected because our young people have identified that cycle and understand that trick and reject it. That's it for today's podcast. Thanks so much for spending this time with us. For more local conversations about the world around you, tune in every weekday afternoon to this podcast and follow us on Twitter at WBEZ Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Have a great day and we'll meet again tomorrow.